Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And part of that also means learning about self-development. Well, anyone who spent much time in Portland, Oregon, knows it is one of the whitest cities in America. And people in the African-American community often struggle to find one another, where to eat, where to get their hair done. But Jamal and Christina Lane saw this need and opened two successful barbershops, as well as a barber institute. And now they're identifying another need, one that impacts tens and millions of us during COVID quarantine. How do you pivot to a new passion, perhaps even a new job or a new life? Be Great University is the Lane's answer to this conundrum, and they are joining us here today. Hello, you two. It is so great to talk with you. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, can I get just a little bit of background on when you moved to Portland and why you decided to open up the barbershops? Well, we've actually, we moved here when we were born. <laughs> we are natives. <laughs> you're we're both are, locals, yeah, huh? We, we are both uh, natives of, of Northeast Portland. Yeah, yeah it's been, been a day one thing for us. Oh my gosh, um, you have lived there during the... 90s when I moved to Portland, Oregon um, during gentrification. How have you seen that community change just in the time that you've lived and and prospered there? Uh, it's been an amazing change, ongoing change. You know, I've grown up and seen it all. Was born right in the heart of Northeast Portland, and just kind of watch things. And like you said, the 90s. Uh, the 90s was quite a trying time for uh, our community. I mean, like a lot of Black communities across the country, but. Uh, we kind of just watched a lot of our properties kind of dwindle away. The complexion of the community started to change uh, a lot. Like you said, it's the whitest city in, in the country now, but our immediate Northeast Portland wasn't like that growing up. And so kind of watched that that complexion change over time and watched the uh, the homes start to get torn down and, and be rebuilt. And, you know, a lot of the buildings being torn down and being rebuilt. A lot of different businesses coming in as well. And so, you know, gentrification has been quite the experience. You know, for some for some ways it's been good, for more ways it hasn't been as good. But, you know, it is what it is, and we, we're working through it. I want you also to join in on this, Christina. Uh, I mean, the barbershop has such an extraordinary history in Black communities where it's not just a place to get your hair done, but it is the place to talk, to, to see your friends, to be able to socialize. And so how has COVID impacted your barbershops during this time? Have you been able to keep going? Uh, we were able to open back up a few months ago. We were mandated to close initially when the lockdown first um, was established. So that affected us with four storefronts. You have four um, stores now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. We actually opened up um, a location in PSU area a month or so before COVID hit. And so like you and like me and like everybody else who's had to sort of sit and contemplate what our lives are going to be like in this new reality. What skills did you draw upon to be able to know that you were going to be okay because you had ingenuity, because you had the kind of work ethic that you both share, and because you had the imagination to be able to see yourself in a new role? I think it's really just following a deep knowing. It's been ingrained in us since, since, I, since we can recall. You know, we have this mindset and we call it Baneo. Broke is not an option, which, from hearing a little bit about your story, I imagine you can resonate as well. Mm. You know, so we get these life experiences and we all, it's unacceptable for them to dictate how our life is going to turn out. We really want to take that leadership role to curate the world that we need in order to thrive. 
So I'm always fascinated because sometimes I talk to people like yourself and I think, okay, you probably don't have a PhD in psychology and you haven't been through massive amounts of therapy. So where does one begin to learn these skills? Is it a religious grounding? Is it just the way you were raised? Talk to me about it. I think it's a, it's a melting pot of everything for me. I can only speak for myself. Um, you know, I dropped out of high school, actually. I really didn't want to be a part of these systems that weren't in it for me. And that was the real reason why I left following the masses. I, I, it was something that I never did. I always innately followed what was true for me, which always guided me to where I needed to be. Be Great University, to me, I was so excited when I learned about this because I truly believe that you don't have to have a PhD to be able to help people with the kind of skills that they need to be able to lead better lives. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast is that I think just as human beings, we can share what we've all learned and share storytelling to be able to help one another. But you've actually come up with a community idea that sounds very beneficial. Do you want to talk about that, Jamal? So the Be Great University community is, is one that we, we envision to be a conglomerate of of great folks that aspire to do, you know, more for themselves, aspire to uh, motivate others. And then some of those folks that just need to be motivated and maybe have ideas and visions that they want to see come to life. And they just need to be around like-minded people that they can share ideas with, that they can just get inspiration from. And that's kind of like the whole, you know, vision for the community is just to have a, what we call the greats, community of the greats to, to come together without the distractions that you have on your you know, the mass of social media that's out there today, uh, where we have a concentrated area to, to just be great in. You know what else I love about it? That it, it completely lacks the sort of cynicism that you find on Twitter or the show-offedness that you find on Instagram, that it truly has this meaning around, do you want to improve your life? Do you have a sense that you want to convene with other people who are trying to do better? I just love that about it. And that, that's something that we know is, is, is valuable and very much needed, being that we have been school owners and now educators, administrators of the school for the last four years. We found out that Auburn has been the foundation of, you know, why this institute was put into place, but we've become more life coaches than anything. And it's, it's amazing how when people have decided to, to use the word pivot, right, when people have decided to pivot and go another direction in life, they need other people around that can support that decision. A lot of times when we make that decision to do something different, not everybody that we're usually around, you know, supports that. And so we found out that surrounding, you know, yourselves with like-mindedness, you get that reflection of greatness and support and it does wonders. It works wonders. Is it also the case that you find elders in your community, older people who've actually gone through the ropes and can help mentor younger people that are interested in Be Great University? Absolutely. You yeah, we way. actually have an elder student who has graduated from Champions Barbering Institute. So he was able to connect some dots um, for us that we didn't initially grasp hold of in the depths that he had saw. So he experienced life before he came to barber school. And so nearly upon completing the program, he was like, you know what, I really see that this incubator has enabled me to see what I've been doing all along. And I've been investing in people's greatness. And we were just like, wow, you know, this is so much bigger than us. We created this vehicle for greatness, for divine orchestration to take place um, as, it, as it will. Yeah, so cool. The elders, you know, bring a lot of times um, the younger folks. And, that, and that's been something that's happened in our community for a long time. 
um, is the younger generation and the elder generation having that gap in between and not really having that line of communication that 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 passes on knowledge, you know. And so uh, also Be Great University, that community gives that opportunity as well. We welcome all all ages, all experiences, because that that's what it takes. It also just occurred to me that as numbers of people that are attending worship or church or any kind of other spiritual training, they can find a way to get deeply interested in their interior and their motivations for living at a place that is non-denominational and also very supportive, you know, because Absolutely. that structure of church provides so much for people, but there's just a lot of young people not accessing that, those structures anymore. So right. if you started this with the, with the idea of people coming together, what kind of stressors has COVID put on this dream of yours? Um, you know, the, the stressor has kind of been a, a blessing, honestly. Um, because we chose to use the stress of uncertainty as a means of a push to do something. Because we knew if we were feeling it, other people were feeling it. And because we've been in this role of uh, encouragement and, and, and motivating others, we said, okay, well, we can't be the ones that succumb to this uncertainty. We have to rise up and, and create something so others don't succumb to the uncertainty as well. Mm -hmm. um, because we know it's out there. And so that's really, uh, the stress actually turned into a motivator for um, and that's kind of where this was birthed from. Because to me, it turned into a peanut butter jar. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, for a lot of days there, man, I did not know what to do. So it's it, such it a was, It was a challenge. Um, <laughs> and I think if we had not, you know, pushed ourselves to create, um, it would have been that much more uh, stress involved. Mm. And we just, we countered it. And that's, that's kind of the, what we are striving to do with the curriculum in Be Great University with the Cultivating Greatness is to get people to understand you, you can counter, you know, the circumstances. You don't have to be at uh, will of the circumstances. You know, you can actually counter when you see it coming. You know what's mm -hmm. coming. Mm -hmm. You know what to expect. How are you going to respond? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, those are some of the things that we talk about in the, in the curriculum. Yeah, I mean, it's true through, through quarantine stress, it's through, through trauma, it's also true through depression. I mean, I'm sure many of the people who come to you have been suffering from a kind of anxiety and depression about this that they don't really even want to talk about. How do you handle the mental health aspect of what so many of your members are probably coping with? Well, I, me personally, I listen. I do my best to be a good listener, giving people an outlet. What I found out with that is people, you gain trust. First, you have to gain that trust by being authentic and genuine with folks and then just being open to listen. People can feel when they're being judged, you know, or when when you have a certain outlook on what, what, how, what they're talking about or how they're feeling. But when you just can listen and then maybe share your own experiences and not, not talk about what theirs, but just share your own. Sometimes, they, you know, they, they can take from that and say, okay, he, he, he's been down this road before. She's been down this road before. Maybe not exactly the same, but I could take something from it. And so that trust is big when it oh, comes to Jamal, to you just <clears throat> saying my language. I mean, there's so many <laughs> recent studies talking about the power of this kind of peer listening, this active listening, that's as, as effective as getting in to see a psychiatrist in so many ways because people do feel just the relief of having shared honestly what it is they're going through and some of their challenges. And until you kind of put those on the table, you can't achieve the greatness that 
you and Christina are talking about, right? That's true. And people want to, and it can be somewhat embarrassing sometimes, you know, for folks to share certain things. And again, being in a, being a barber, and I think when it comes to the spiritual part of things, I think I was put in this position from as a kid to be a barber. Mm-hmm. And a barber is one of the most trusted people in the community. It has been since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't necessarily ask for it, but it was, it was put, it was put on me to be. And I, through that, I've learned what that listening does. You know, when I, all the years of being behind the chair and being able to listen and people, you know, um, reveal things that they wouldn't reveal to some of the closest people to them for mm-hmm. fear of judgment, you know, or embarrassment or whatever the case may be. And so, I'm just at another, well, we're just at another level of it. Yeah. I want you to give people an idea because it occurred to me that now you might have started this as like a local or a regional effort, but now because of COVID and so much technology being relied upon, this could be an international thing. So how do people find out about it? Our website is a great place to go and it's begreat.life, www.begreat.life. And the structure, if you would just give people a little idea of the online community and how often you meet and what you, what they can expect if they decide to enroll. Cultivating Greatness is a five-week program, and it's really designed for individuals to get still and to get quiet and to begin to ask themselves questions that will uncover what it is that they truly desire. I think now this moment in time has made us choose what's essential and what's not essential. And if we don't have the answers to those questions, but coming from a place that enables us to live a life that's filled with joy and we're inspired, the default choice might not be something someone, you might not like the default decision. So we really want to put people in the driver's seat of curating their life and their world. And so this is Cultivating Greatness program is really set up to walk you through that process step-by-step within the five-week module. I was just going to add to that uh, some of the things that fall in the program or that are part of the program. You reassess your values. Reassessing your values is one thing. Understanding what self-actualization is is another. Understanding how to actually cultivate a vision for your life. A lot of people, that we just go through life, kind of take what it gives us, but understanding that you can create it and then from there, constructing a plan to, to execute. Those are some of the things that, you know, are in the program. And again, people just don't take the time to do these things. Um, we found out working with our students how, how valuable that can be. So That's awesome. Is there a difference in the way this curriculum would run? Because most of your participants are Black, correct? No, actually. Really? Um, I, I thought that this was a community for African-Americans. Well, no, of course you want to target the African-American community. I mean, we, we definitely want to reach out to the Black community because we understand the value of this. And, and you have a lot of people who have joined the community that just like the way that you're um, looking at the world and looking at their problems and helping them succeed. That's true. One of the things that I, I always have a deep, deep interest in how we can heal the racial divide in this country and also how we can elevate Black voices, which I think have been not elevated in the past few decades. If, if there was one thing that me right now as a white ally could do, what advice would you give us? Seek to be solution-oriented. There's a lot of systemic structures, systemic systems that are put in place to keep our people in particular stifled and down and not mm. operating in our personal power. It's time for that to be reversed. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, we're, we're sick and tired of having to be placed in that environment. Yeah. Um, so collectively, there's a lot of questions that will arise with what's the solution and how can we make change? So anything that's action oriented and that's going to um, end out with the result is what I would say we need to focus on collectively mm-hmm. and as an ally. And that's a great question to ask. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I, I never miss an opportunity to have this conversation with people who are deep thinkers and and do want to change the world for better. Jamal, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, while I I agree with uh, Ms. Lane, I would just add for you to have those conversations with the other allies or those that may not necessarily be allies currently or don't don't know where they stand, having those conversations and asking those tough questions so they can understand what's really needs to be done. Um, a lot of people are just too quiet. So having those tough conversations with the people that you hold dear to you and those that you uh, are around, let that be one of the conversations you have. I'll tell you, if anybody asks me how you can begin the conversation and begin to develop the language and the sort of self-possessing skills like you two have, I'm going to send them to Be Great University. <laughs> Part of it is giving people the words for how to communicate, right? The words for self-expression, the word for self-identifying, and the words for how you do actually reach out to a human being. So I love that you're doing what you're doing. Appreciate that. And I would just add, you know, the fact that you uh, reached out and wanted to uh, have us be a part of your voice that you have, your platform that you have, I want to say thank you for that yeah. as well. Um, because when it, when, when things come, when it comes down to it, it's all a choice. And you didn't have to choose to do, to do it. Just like we didn't have to choose to put the great university together, but we were right. drawn to it. You were drawn to our story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would ask too is that we can continue to communicate because I feel like you have a, a special, you know, gift and to share as well. And, uh, we would love to continue to communicate and see how we could be a part of that. I absolutely say yes. Yes. It's done. Um, mm-hmm. Jamal, I would be, I'd be so remiss if not to ask you what the current haircut is during COVID. <laughs> uh, I, would call it, I would call it the comeback cut. Okay, what does it look like? The comeback cut, man, is basically whatever cut you had four months ago before you before you had to be quarantined in the house. Uh, a lot of people have been looking real uh, caveman you know. Um, <laughs> after not getting a haircut for four or five months, so I, I give it a new name. It's called the comeback. That's hilarious. And <laughs> I have um, such fond and almost passionate memories of the years growing up seeing people's beautiful froze. Do you think that the fro will ever come back? Uh, it's back already. Cause Is course, it? I've been seeing a whole lot of froze, or what we call naturals. Yeah, it, <laughs> and by default, it's back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe shoot, shoot. I was gonna say if it was intentional, we could keep it, right? It's actually back, but it's uh, it's been back. Actually, the young folks have been wearing the natural here for the last like two, three years. Just a little bit different than what it was back in the you know seventies. Yeah, definitely the natural. So it's been back, actually. I'll tell you, I would love to just someday come over to the barbershop um, when all this COVID stuff is over and just be a fly on the wall for the amazing conversations I'm sure you have with your friends and community. It's been such an amazing pleasure to talk with you two. And I wish you so much success, even more success than you already have, because you really deserve it. We appreciate it.
appreciate that. We wish you the same and look forward to you coming to the shop. Take good care. If you're listening on Apple or Google or Libsyn or here on our website, we would love for you to give us a thumbs up in your review. We also would just want to thank our sponsors, which you can find at our homepage and hope that you continue to make it a great day. 